This episode is brought to you by Blizzard. Play Diablo 4 free during the open beta weekend. Only you can stand in the way of the forces of hell. Play free March 24th to 26th and pre-purchase for early access. Journey through the entire first act. Battle up to level 25 as all five classes. Adventure with your friends in four-player co-op. Descend into hell early during the open beta. Pre-purchase Diablo 4 now. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Divots and Pivots. Uh, we are going to bring this to a weekly show to discuss DFS, golf news, and really anything golf to, to get you going for the weekend ahead uh, for however you choose to enjoy the golf world. Um, myself, I love the DFS side of it, so we're going we're gonna to tackle some picks for you. I'll go through the numbers. Um, and with me today, we have Cody Cook at DP, or D Prodigy, I should say. Sorry about that. He's, uh, he's joining me today. How you doing, Cody? Not bad so far. Like I said, just woke up and we're already ready to talk about golf. Already made the coffee and everything, so I made oh, it in I time. I promise oh, I did. Perfect. No, you were here perfect time. Yeah. I'm glad to have you. No, for anyone who doesn't know, if you don't remember, uh, Cody and I used to do some shows on his uh, YouTube channel uh, about a year ago, so uh, it was an honor to, to bring him back on here to join me. Uh, so I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun with you, man. And we'll see. We'll see if we can find some of our some of our old favorites in in these lists throughout these tournaments. I know we had some guys we always uh, lived and died on, mostly died on the hill with, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll get there again. Um, so let's jump into it. So we got we got the Amex, uh, the Amex Express this week, um, a solid three course weekend, which always makes things interesting. You know, we got the Pete Dye course, the Nicholas course, um, and then the uh, the La Quinta. Um, so. We got, we got to look at some different things here. What uh, what plays to each course's strengths? Uh, who, there's some interesting stuff. Like some of these guys aren't even going to play with the hardest course, which is the stadium course, uh, the Pete Dye course, uh, until the weekend if they make it there. So um, there could be some opportunities from edge for some edges there that we can find to to possibly avoid that course if we feel like it's necessary, or if not. So um, let's jump right in. So for for instance, the Nicholas course here, for the we got it's typically plays pretty easy. Fairways are easy. Um, all these courses are f- pretty similar as far as length. The wind's not usually a factor at the for this tournament. Uh, but the big difference is fairways. So fairways tend to be harder on the stadium course, the Pete Dye course. So that's where I'd like to start off 
uh, looking with you, uh, let's go through some guys who um, are avoiding that course uh, for the first two days. Um, which you know, like, you, like you said, it's going to be interesting in your lineup because it is kind of a three-course breakdown. So this is going to vary between – so it's 7,113 yards total, par 72, defending champion Sibu Kim. So that should tell you that this course can be fluctuated. It can be hard at moments, and it can be easy at moments. We just really don't know because this is now the second tournament of the year. So players are still trying to get ready for this. We don't have the top players. When when it shows Rob McKinley at the very top of DK, that should tell you that, and then it all of a sudden breaks down to the next tier of guys. It's going to be different trying to build your lines because of not everybody's ready, not everybody's mentality is ready, which we'll talk about pretty soon because mentality is going to play a big part in this already because we already had an argument between two players last course or last tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, we're at the really very between our lamps and it's kind of cut dry at the top of this year on DK, but we'll get into that pretty soon. It does feel like the, the tour general starting to get this, this kind of edgier rivalry to it. You know, obviously we had the, the, um, we had Kepka and Deschambeau last year, which, Honestly, it was very entertaining to watch all right. that go down. I, I really enjoyed all the memes and the pictures, but it's kind of nice to have this this edgy feel back to the tour where we, we might have some rivalries come up, and um, I don't mind it. I think it makes it a bit more fun. It makes it more entertaining, and I think right now golf is on the rise. We gotta they got to kind of grasp on any entertainment value they can. So I'm not saying go out there and, and manufacture rivalries that get nastier on Sportsmanlike, but no. some healthy back and forth is okay in my eyes. Um, but, I mean, you, you hit the, the nail on the head there. So, I mean, second kind of tournament of the year here. And uh, we've already seen, so so far this year, it's kind of been unexpected. So some of the courses uh, down in Hawaii there played um, where usually this wind kicked up. And, I mean, it's usually a pretty easy course anyways where they will shoot to the, the high teens, the low 20s. But, um, man, they what was the winning score? There? Like my, like minus 32 or 13 under, or 32 under, I think, something like that. Like, Run there. Like, the, like the course just had no wind. Uh, the, the greens were soft, which is never the case. Um, so this factors like this that, like you said, weather's going to play a big factor, or, and it's typically pretty calm here. But uh, there's a lot of factors that, especially being early in the year, that's going to make a difference here. So, but you mentioned one name already. You, you mentioned Sun J.M., who is the uh, – uh, he did uh, – sorry, not Sun J.M., um, Siwoo Kim. I always do that between the two of them for some reason. But Siwoo Kim uh, came out of one last year. It was a big win for him. He had withdrawn the year before, so that was a nice bounce back. Um, he's having a pretty good year so far. Uh, he finished, I mean, not pretty good, but, you know, finished 55 and 23. He's made the cut so far in his two tournaments played. Uh, but what is interesting about him is he is coming in uh, as the top uh, in strokes game approaching and correlating courses. So for me, that's that's big because he, he's going to find the fairway because that's just what he's going to do in that. But he's going to be able to stick it next to the pin and on the green somewhere um, he needs to, to to really attack these greens. So Siwoo Kim is a nice um, – could, could be in a nice position to repeat this year. My only issue with him is his price. He's a bit pricier this week that I'm not sure I want to pay the price for him with some of the other guys on, on, the, on the card. That's the thing is it's going to come down to pricing obviously because – if you look at it, pricing is a little bit different this this invitation, but it's pretty much like I said, cut and dry at the very top. When right now we're going on to the second tournament, which we're at the very between guys and trying to decipher how these guys are still in their mind playing, because golf is more so, in my opinion, more of a mental game than a skill game, kind of like tennis, because of you're you're going to get in your head and it's going to go either 
really good or really bad because you can be, like I said, one guy I always talked about was Max Homa after he finally figured out his mental game. He came out on top at the very end of the season, which I remember. That's, I was a, that's our boy. <laughs> I know. Like I said, that's that's the guy I was on and rode hot with it because of like that mental game. He finally figured it out, finally figured out all his games. So these arguments are pretty fun. I think it's going to be really cool to actually see golf go into another direction because they're having to compete with, like I said, NBA and NFL at the same time for broadcast time. So you're going to have to find something to keep the sport alive, which – I think it's pretty cool. I'm pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's not accidental that golf's viewership tends to pick up after the Masters when we're kind of mm-hmm. obviously the NFL is done at that time where we're getting into the uh, really narrowed down specific uh, playoff matches with NFL, uh, not NFL, NBA and NHL. So it's you know it, we really don't see a jump in viewership until the summer when it really is the only show other than baseball. But you know, let's be honest, baseball is kind of <laughs> falling off as well. So it's right. it's got a perfect opportunity there for it. But, yeah, so Siwoo Kim, though, coming in at um, – what was his price here on DraftKings? Because it was uh, 8300 So it's not, like, super high, but compared to some other guys around him there and some other guys that I can pay up for and, and save money with, I'm not sure I'm going to pay for that ownership because, obviously, with the previous winner and an earlier uh, tournament like this, um, a lot of people uh, as well just starting to really get into their DFS game when it comes to golf. So there's going to be some um, – I'd say some probably predictability to where people are going to look to the past winners. And I think ownership is going to be high on him. So considering all those factors, I'm probably going to stay off. See Kim. not saying I think he's going to do bad. Like I said, I think he's good for this course, but I think there's some edges we can find elsewhere. Um, other than the one, the one thing he does have going for him is that he doesn't play the stadium course until the weekend. So if he makes the cut, you know, he's got the two easier courses on Thursday, Friday. So that could be the one edge that you got there. Exactly. So like I was saying, kind of cutting it up at the very top, I mean, John Rom is obviously the name you want to get to. It's kind of yeah. way too hard not to overthink it. It's like playing Nikolai Jokic in your NBA lineup. So you had to play him. I mean, yeah. when, he's on, when he's on the slate, you've got to play him no matter what because he can get you any points that you can possibly think of. Um, it's Like I said, I'm going pretty heavy on John Rom. I, it's hard not to love him. I, I wish I had more of a breakdown for him, but look at the guys in this course. And look at how he's playing. It's John Rom. It's the it's the name value. But I will say it's gonna be close playing catcher Canley because Canley, he can show up here and he can make a John Rom a run for his money. So it's kind of hard not to play both these guys at the very top. I know it's not a strategy I normally try to play is playing two guys in the highest tier, but for this week it's kinda of hard not to. Yeah, I I mean they're my one two rank this weekend. Um I mean, it was a pretty easy – I mean, I still ran the numbers to make sure it came out that way. But when looking at the list, I knew those two were going to end up at the top. Um, and I'm, I'm quickly looking at – so I, I went to pull up the ownership. I'm, I'm not getting accurate uh, ownership projections right now, at least from what it looks like. I don't think so. But if these are right, we got uh, Rom and Cantley are both coming in at like 43% calculated ownership. Right. Um, which, is, which is outrageously high, but – if you can find some value with, um, I'm trying to see here. So with someone like a, um, like I mean, Corey Connors is playing great right now. You know, he's seven seven point two ownership. Someone like that who's who's feeling good this early in the year for that low of ownership. That that could be a nice way to to balance out to uh, two overpriced, uh, not too overpriced, two over owned guys up at the top. Um, so you you just got to really pay attention, and look for that stuff. But yeah, no, I agree. Rom is look when you look at the numbers. 
he ranks first in, in DK points. He's top ten in in every um, in every key stat other than fairways gained. But like I said, he's not. He's also not hitting the stadium course in the first two days. So that fairways gained is going to be a little bit easier for him because he's not going to have the tighter, harder fairways to hit. So I expect Rom to definitely be. Uh, towards the top of the leaderboard, uh, probably top five, top ten uh, going into the weekend. I don't, I just don't see how he can't. Um, he's too, he's just, he's playing too good. He's, he's too good at, at everything you need to be good here. I mean, he's in recent, he's gained thirteen strokes, um, and he's only played one tournament so far this year, and it was, it was the century. So he's right. He, he's feeling good right now. Uh, speaking of strokes gained, though, just gonna kind of jump around here to start, but Taylor Gooch. So Taylor Gooch coming in. So first, this might be the highest I've ever seen Taylor Gooch priced. Um, he's I know on Yahoo he is uh, I just lost it. Sorry, Taylor. He's forty three dollars on Yahoo, which is pretty high for Yahoo. Uh, he's ninety seven hundred on DraftKings. So I'm I can't remember a time I saw him priced this high, but it kind of makes sense. He's he's pretty deadly. So in his last five uh, five tournaments so far to start the year, um, he's got a twenty seventh, a fifteenth. He won the RSM. Um, he finished 60th at the Houston, but he finished 11th at Mayakoba. So, like, he's – the guy's playing great right now. And he's got a pretty good history here, too. He's made the cut ever, the past four years playing um, playing this tournament. Finished 21st last year. He finished 4th in 2019. So, I guess the pricing makes sense. I um, mean, he definitely lines up well. But are you willing to pay that much for, for Taylor Gooch with some of the other guys around him? Yeah, but I thought he played slow. <laughs> yeah, he, that's the big thing, yeah. He, he plays slow. <laughs> Well, that's the fun so, stuff, though. Just, just, just pick on I mean, the game. Let's go for it. <laughs> we'll see how his mental game is. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be – that's what I'm saying. If he's caught in his head in this tournament, that's going to be not a good thing for you paying 9700 for a gooch. So, exactly. Uh, I looked at the other 10K guys also before we go on, and yeah. I'm not playing Scotty Scheffler at all at 10-6. You're not oh. going to make me pay that at all. Fiato is okay to me at 10-2, but again, I'd much rather go and pay John Rahm and Patrick Hanley and then figure out the rest of my lineup instead of trying to fit in Scotty Scheffler at, at this tournament when I could easily pay up $300 more for Patrick Hanley. So, yeah, again, I'm kind of just locking and loading Patrick Hanley and John Rahm at the very top and fading Tony Fiano and Scotty Scheffler. I'd much rather just go elsewhere. But a guy in that 9K range, what do you think of Seamus Power? So, so I love Seamus Power last week. Like he was one of my one of my cheap plays. So, dude, he's playing good right now, and and I like Seamus Power. So, um, I just want to pull see where he came in in my rankings because sometimes you know these the numbers. So the way I do my rankings and my model, it's it's purely based on the numbers, and then I use that to kind of uh, fill in the blanks with the storylines and, and the eye tests and make my own decisions from there. Um, where, why can I not find Seamus Power right here though? Oh, here he is. Yeah. So he's coming to rank 27th in my, in my model when it comes to the numbers. And that's mainly because, um, he, he hasn't been great on the correlating courses that I had for this, but he's just playing so good right now. Two, three top 15 finishes in his last tournaments. I uh, finished, that uh, was this 12th at Bermuda as well. Um, I mean, the biggest thing he's got going from him is that he, uh, the worst thing he's got going from him is that he hasn't played here in two years and he got cut, uh, in 2019. Right. Before that, before that though, he had two top twenty-five finishes. So, considering the way he's looking now, coming out hot, playing confident, feeling good, he's a guy that I'm that I'm willing to get to um, get to this week. And he ranks ninth in DK points so far this year. So, 
Um, he's definitely an edgy. So once again, he's thirty six dollars on Yahoo. Um, he's he's uh, ninety five on DK. So the price is a bit higher for someone riskier, but his ownership should still be pretty low. <coughs> I mean, it's actually coming in at like twenty eight percent. So that's actually surprising how high that ownership is coming in on him. Um, so I think people are starting to catch on watching his last two tournaments or so. Exactly. Um, but I'd still be willing to play him. I think he he's just good enough where. I, like I said, I, I'm surprised at how high that ownership is. I wouldn't be surprised to see that ownership drop by tomorrow morning. Um, but I, So I'd be willing to play him. Um, and then another guy in that 9K range that, that I do like is I do like Sung J.M. So Sung J.M. is coming in at third in my rankings, uh, according to the numbers. And it's mainly because on, on correlating courses, he, he kind of he kills it. He's first in putting, five in DK points. Um, he did cut get cut last week, so that could – uh, help keep his ownership down, but still, in strokes gained total in three tournaments so far this year, he, he's gaining eight point three eight strokes uh, through three tournaments now. So that number doesn't lie right there. Sure, he he had a bad week last week, but uh, he's coming back. You know, coming back to the mainland and the west coast, and, uh, and I like him to bounce back this week. Uh, what do you? How do you feel about Sunday M? So that's the thing is, there's a lot of guys in this nine K range that I'm willing to take a shot on. Mm-hmm. Compared to M, which I, I don't mind M at all. I, I can understand it. I, again, it's just the price tag when I rather just find a thousand more dollars to play Patrick Hanley. I keep going back to it, mm. but I don't mind it. Like I said, I understand the viewpoint on it. I wouldn't blame you for playing until JM, but for me, I'd rather take a shot on somebody that we haven't talked about yet. But let me talk about Seamus Power. Yep. Um, the risk is there for Power. Obviously, it's there when you have Taylor Gooch and Corey Connors right beside him. But the way that he's been playing and the par skills, I I like it a lot. I think he can thrive on this course if he gets his game going. This is a hefty price tag for him. It's going to be different. I think ownership is going to fluctuate, like you were saying, because mm-hmm. people see the name, they're like, who is this guy? But then they see the recent form, and it's there. So it's Those last-minute tinkers where people are going to see Seamus Power and, exactly. you know, 10 minutes before they're going to say, ah, oh, I don't feel comfortable with that. I'd rather go to him. I'd rather go to Connors because I know those names. Exactly. But the way it's going to go for us, if we play him, he's going to do horrible. But if we don't play him, he's going to do amazing. So that's, that's kind of how it goes when we play guys that we are risky on. But that's, the life, that's neither here or there. That's neither here or there. So I want to get your thoughts on one guy we haven't talked about with Matthew Wolf. I like him. I'm taking a risk on it. He so he I loved him last year. He he looked great. Um, he I don't have him uh, really ranking out that great for this week. So I'd be curious to hear why why you love him. I mean, just looking looking at what I got here, um, and the, I mean, yeah, in the two tournaments he's played so far this year, he's you know top fifteen, he's got eleventh and a fifth. He's made the cut here the past two years, so um, that's nice. And look, I guess fifteen strokes gained so far through two tournaments is pretty pretty point on uh, to what you need as well. Um, so I'm not opposed to Matthew Wolf. I I think, once again, this is one of those guys that for his price tag, I'm not sure. Like I said, I, according to, m- to my research, I'd rather for that price tag play a, a pay up a little bit for a Sung JM or um, like slightly more for an answer or, so you know, because they're all kind of in that general price range. Um, but so, so what's got you loving Wolf so much though? So for me, I think this is a bounce back course for him. And okay. at nine three, people are not going to want to pay that price tag for Matthew Wolf when they can get to answer or they can get to Corey Connors or even like I said, Sun GM. So he's kind of that middle man and seven percent ownership right now. Huh? Seven percent ownership right now. That's what I'm saying. Good. So 
the swing is there. I love his swing. I've always been a fan of the swing. Yeah, I think this course fits his course playing style well. I think this is a bounce back spot for him that people are not going to want to play him because Matthew Wolf. You're either going to get the good side of Matthew Wolf or you're going to get the bad side of Matthew Wolf. You, that's the risk you're going to take. But at the ownership that I'm seeing also on my side, I it's hard not to love him at nine three when I can fit in a couple more guys in the 9K range compared to trying to fit in all the value that you're going to have to find. But again, do you trust uh, – Double bogey, Abraham answer, or do you trust Corey Connors right now on the street that he's going, or do you just fall into the line of the Matthew Wolf that we know and love, obviously, who can thrive? So that's my thing is if you're trying to take a shot on somebody in this 9K range, I wouldn't mind taking a shot on Matthew Wolf whatsoever when we don't know what we're getting to answer. Will Zotaurus is a guy that I'm not paying 914 right now. No, uh, Seamus Power, you don't know what you're going to get out of him, but again, he has the upside there. Taylor Gooch with the mental side right now, we don't know. So it's either I'm paying down for Matthew Wolf or possibly taking a shot on Sunday, and like you were saying, or we'll talk about Abraham Answer in a second. No, look, I don't I don't think you're wrong. It's um he, Matt, like said, Matthew Wolf has the skills there. It's his consistency has always been an issue, but he's got the skill to do it. And so uh yep. no, you could you could be hundred percent right with him there. And yeah, I think it is funny, Answer always does have a double bogey in him. Like it, it always and it always tends to come like right after he's hit like two two or three birdies in a row That's so you're feeling thing. good it's... and then he just absolutely crushes you. Uh, so I mean, if you're like me, who watches every like you know pull up the scorecard and, and watch all the the scores as they go, that's you know I can't help it. I just just love to do that. So yeah, I I, I ride that roller coaster sometimes. Um, but I I do have answer in my in my my top ten right now though. Um, it's hard not to love him. It's hard not uh, to. So he's and that's the thing. He's always enticing. Like he, he's always he's got a, a a big enough like a recognizable no it's- a recognizable enough name. To where he jumps off the page at you, and then when you look at his stats, he, he tends to to be right there as well. Um, and so, but this, so this is a perfect example. So, answer is one of the guys that I think might be able to have an edge in getting you to the weekend because so he does get the stadium course on day two, and where one of his strongest stats is he's ranked seventh in fairways gained. Um, so. The, the the course shouldn't affect him as much as it should other guys. He should still be able to find. Uh, sorry, my microphone is sliding on here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got louder there for a second. I could hear it, but so so That's he should be able to talk my answer. Yeah, so he should be able to find the fairways. You know, theoretically, a little bit easier than the rest on day two there. Um, so that it's just an example where I think he could have an edge there. Now, look, he's he's not playing great. He got cut last weekend and he finished thirty fifth the week before. Um, he does have that seventh place back in Mayakoba, and he's got a great history. I mean, he's got two top five finishes the last two he years of this tournament. Like, and even before that, though, he's got an 18th, and then, you know, 2018, he finished 76. So he barely made the cut and then dropped down. But um, answer, I'm well, considering, because I don't, like I said, I don't really love this this price range all that much. Like, we, we we're, sounds like we're, we're both fading a decent amount of these 9K guys, but um, – so like I mean we we both like power and I like him. Gooch where we said we're we're up iffy on you're on wolf, I'm not sure yet. So like so so answers there and kind of the same idea. I think Henley's gonna be popular because of his his win last week and for only I think it's a hundred dollars more uh, or two hundred dollars more, I, I think answer might be a nice little pivot play there um over someone like a Henley who's coming in at twenty one percent ownership and well, Answer's actually coming in pretty high in ownership right now. So I don't 
I'm not trusting these ownership numbers. I'm going to stop looking at that because they, they just seem they seem way too auto. I don't think they're they're accurate at the moment. But um, but I do like Anton with his course history with his with his fairway stats. Um, the, it's funny this whole nine K range is kind of risky, isn't it? Like That's all these guys have like a have like a big blow up hole in them. And so it kind of plays to your point, like you were saying, just pay up for Ron McCantley and then go find someone in the 7K range. <laughs> answer is either going to boom because he's motivated and he wants to basically make a name for himself once again, or this is going to be a course that's going to destroy him, and then next week we're going to see him in possibly the 7 or 8K range. And that's how it's going to go down. Is This is pretty much his last chance to be in this 9K range, in my opinion, before he either blows up or... Or just it's blow. But I don't mind taking a risk on him at 9-2. Again, the ownership, though, is what's going to worry me because people are going to see the name value and see Abraham answer. Why is he only 9-2? Well, let's look back at the past couple courses and see why he's only 9-2. So, but I've had mixed emotions dropping down to Russell Henley. Uh, Part of me wants it, part of me doesn't. What do you think of him at 9K? Uh, I'm I'm staying away from him. Um, So, look, like I said – Numbers wise, this is an instance where numbers wise, he he technically ranks out as my number ten guy this week. Um, but a lot of that is based off of uh, you know finishing second last week, um, you know losing in the playoff, and then um, he's got other good recent results so far this year. But that's also because he's played you know four out of the five last tournaments. When a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys haven't done that yet, and and that's when when you're when you're using a number model like sure you can you can look at everything and and just go by the numbers but a lot of times you're going to get skewed information if you if, and now I'm just talking out to anybody out there who's who's making their own models one you got to still put in the work of kind of deciphering it and finding what's what's kind of lying to you a little bit and I think this is a case where where Henley is lying to me a little bit cuz sure his strokes gained is you know 28 uh, strokes gained through this this season so far but He's missed the cut here the last three years. Didn't play in 2018 and missed the cut again in 2017. So, like, this is obviously just not a course that he likes. Um, plus, like I said, he's another guy who's getting a stadium course on uh, on this in round two or round one. I forget which round it is now, but uh, he, he's getting it in the first two days. Um, for 9K, I, I'm, I don't want to pay that for him. That's what I'm kind of worried about because the game – that he's playing right now is great. I mean, Russell Henley's looking good, not going to lie. But then we get to how he does on this course, which that's a whole other demon. So it's 9K. Do I pay up for him and try to fit in somebody else, or do I just wait and kind of skip over the name? Again, I'm having mixed emotions on it, but kind of dropping down to the range that I don't like in the AKs. I don't. There's not a ton that I like in this AK range. There's yeah, I actually str- I struggled in this range too. Yeah. There's a couple guys that stand out to me, but again, a couple that don't. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the top with like Chingali and Patrick Reed because I think Patrick Reed's going to be a name value once again. People are going to see the name and think, why is he only this price tag? And there's a reason why. But Tringali, I think he can do well in this course. It's just the price tag of 8-9. If I fit him into my lineup, I do. If I don't, then I don't. It's, I'm having, like I said, I, it doesn't matter to me with Tringali either way. But what do you think of this top? tier of the AK range. So I agree. I don't I don't love this range. Um I don't love either of these guys. Either if I was gonna play one of the two, I'd probably lean towards Tringale. Um just just based off of, you know, he, he hasn't played this course in three years. He's um 
he's finished seventh. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong column here. He hasn't played a, any of the last three tournaments, but the last time he played was the Houston Open where he finished seventh. Um, and he's made the cut at this tournament the last three times he's played it. So I, I feel like he can get you there. I don't think he – the thing with Tringali is I don't think he's going to be a ceiling player for you. He's going to um, – you know, he, he's probably going to make the cut for you, but then he's probably going to finish in that like 30, 40 range and, exactly. and not really, not really get you, get you too much upside. Now we know someone like Patrick Reed has the ability to get you uh, the upside that you need to really score some points, but he's another guy who last two times out at this course or at this tournament, he's missed the cut. Like sure. And sure. He has a top, he has a 12th place finish in 2017, but you know, we're talking what five years ago now. And so, and, and Reed's, um, recent form as well. I, like I'm not, I'm not on that. He's he's ranked over the top hundred in most of my key stats uh, for this weekend. Um, so I'm really not on Reed. Um, I'd rather play Tringali there. I don't love Tringali there, but uh, if I'm talking just between the two of them, I'm taking Tringali over Reed, and I'm definitely not paying 8,800 for Reed. So what do you think of Besantut? I love him at that price tag. I think you can definitely get to him. At eight seven compared to playing Ricky Fowler eight five and Justin Rose at eight six, I mean, yep. I'd rather play him at eight seven and take a shot. But so Besant, so me and Besant have a history where I always tend to like anytime I tend to like him, I tend to talk myself out of playing him, and then he has his his good tournaments. <laughs> like so, so then I then I end up mad at him all weekend because I didn't have the guts to play him. Um, and this is another one of those guys where. He's showing up lower in my rankings because he actually hasn't played any of my correlating courses. But in the rest of the key stats, he's right. He's right up there in like top 50 and everything. He's got a couple top 20s. Um, he finished 17 last week at the Sony Open. So I'm, I'm on the I'm on Bizenhub's bandwagon. I'll, I'll, I'll play him this week. He's uh, he, he's in good form. He's got, you know, let's see here. 15th at the at the Mayakoba as well, and he just hasn't played this course before. So I'd say for his price tag, considering the rest of the people in that range, if, I, if I'm going to land in that $8,700 range with like the last guy in my lineup, I'm, I'm probably adding him. So if I'm going in this AK range and taking a shot on somebody, let's talk about Johnny Vegas. The iron play. Johnny iron play is there. I, I mean... His iron play is always there. Like. It's, it's hard not to like it, though, at this course. When... Yep. You can, he can get you there, and he can tear up this course, and so can Luke List. I mean, again, you need a couple bombers here and there, and eighty-one and 8000 for Luke List and Johnny Vegas from two names that nobody likes to play. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'd rather take a shot on it at 8100 who he can easily tear up this course and hit bombs. So so can Luke List. I don't mind taking a shot on either one of them, especially when I'd rather play Ricky Fowler or Carlos Ortiz. No, not really. So. No, no, I, I, I'd rather play Vegas for sure. I mean, I'd much rather just take a shot on somebody in Johnny Vegas than even play Brian Harmon at seventy eight hundred. So, sure. again, if I had a pick and I want two guys that are going to fit into my lineup, if I want to play like the third man, what if I want to fit Justin Rom and Patrick Hanley, and then I can fit in Johnny Vegas? I don't mind taking that three man stack. So, yeah, because I think there's some options um, lower on the pricing that can allow you to get three men stack, and that's and you're right. His his ball Vegas's ball striking is 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 up there with the best. So he's typically always top ten. Um, he's also just playing good right now. You last two tournaments he's finished top thirty, and he's never missed the cut here either. At least not since 2017 is as far back as I went. But um, 
so that he he's he could be that nice safe play who can have an outside chance of delivering like a top twenty finish to to pair with Cantley and Rom who could should you know for their prices and, and their stats they should both be top five top ten so if you're telling me that I'm gonna pay up for a stack of Cantley and Rom in Vegas I'm gonna get all of them in the top twenty with you know yeah. hitting birdies like that's that's a no brainer for me like that so I, I definitely like that call of Jonathan Vegas. Um, but like I said, everybody else in this range, I'm not liking whatsoever. It's hard not to, I mean, it's kind of hard to fit into these other guys like Carlos Ortiz. And again, kind of going back to Tringali, I do like Tringali, but it's just, he's not played in a minute. It's been a while since we've seen him. So I don't trust a lot of his AK range in Ricky Fowler in Alex Norin. I mean, Sebo Kim, like you said, the upside's there, but I don't know at eight two when I can pay down for Johnny Vegas for only hundred dollars less when a guy I trust more. So yeah. this range is kind of iffy, especially when I have guys in the seven K range that I much rather go to. Which I know that's saying something, but this is like I said the Amex, so we're going to get kind of an interesting lineup build. We're not going to have high price names. So, mm-hmm. um, do you like anybody else in this AK range, or are you ready to go on to the seven Ks? Yeah, no, I don't – there's not a lot left in this AK range I like. I will say you should be able to get Vegas for, like, less than 10% ownership too, which, like we said, when you, if you pair that with Cantlay and Rom, who are going to be, you know, 30 40% owned, like, that's – that you're going to need that. If you're if you're going to if you're going to build around and have a unique line, you, you're going to need that, that ownership differential. So, um, no, the rest of this range is, like, I 100% agree with you. No, no one really jumped out at me here. Um, the, the 7K range, though, was – uh, there's definitely a couple guys here. One guy towards the top of the 7K range that I actually really like this week, who is another guy who every time I play him, he seems to absolutely, you know, crap the bed and disappear. But I like Russell Knox this week. Um, and I'm not sure how many times I've ever said that, but but I like Russell Knox this week. I think he's playing good right now. He's got a great history at this tournament. Uh, another guy who in the last five years, he's not missed the cut. It's a boot he finishes. He's not had a finish worse than 37th this year. So I think, once again, Knox is going to be an example where I don't expect him to win. I, I don't really expect him to even get top 10. But with, if I'm going to take some of the other riskier plays we talked about, I need someone who I feel is going to be safe to make the weekend and, and just get as many points as he can. And for me, Russell Knox is going to be that guy. He also doesn't get the stadium course on the first two days. So once again, we talked about the odds go up there and he's already a guy who is ranked fifth in fairway fairways game. So um, his approach is good. His ball striking is good. So sign me up for the Russell, Russell Knox train. So let's play, let's play a little game and guess a player. I love it. I want to talk about. So cause we're at the halfway mark. <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want to see if you know who I'm liking and I'm scared to death of it, but a guy <laughs> who has injuries, who is way up and down, He's between seven eight and seven seven. Who do you think I'm talking about? That seven. is hard to that's hard to freaking trust. Um seven eight and seven seven. So are you talking Woodland? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, I I like him. I like him a lot at seven seven. He can definitely get it done. He's a bomber, and if he gets his driver going and the iron plays there, it, it's gonna be a good week if you're playing him. But it it's so hard to not just fade him because of the name. It's so freaking hard. He is a perfect example of high risk, high reward. Because exactly. you're right when when he's feeling good, like he's, he's amongst us, he's he's amongst the top in the world. Like he's he, he exactly he, he plays great. He's not playing good right now though. <laughs> so 
So I mean, and that's the thing. So yeah, sure. So here's the thing. So he missed two cuts back earlier in the year at the Houston and the Mayakoba. So he hasn't played the last three tournaments. So if you're going to talk yourself into taking the risk, I guess the argument would be he's taken the last three weeks off to get his head right, to get his body right. And to kind of find that groove, you know, he obviously hasn't not been playing golf in the last three weeks. He's probably just been playing his home course or traveling around, whatever, and doing what he needs to. Um, I actually haven't even checked. He may have been playing on, on the Euro tour was, he might've been in Abu Dhabi. This, uh, I didn't even check that, but. It's so weird seeing him Matt Price next to Ches Reeve. And oh, Russell yeah. Boss. Like, it's just, I don't get it. But, again, this is all about mental game after injuries and how am I going to play now. <coughs> so, again, though, if we go back to how Gary Woodland used to play and the game was definitely there. Like you said, he can be a top ten player in the world when he wants to be or when he can be, at least physically. So, Again, if I'm going to a risky lineup where I want to play, like you said, Vegas and Rami and Cantley and to fit in Woodland as my fourth guy, I think that I have a risky lineup that can easily either bank the tournament or shit the bed. So either way, yeah. it's just when I see him price next to Ches Reeby, it makes me want to vomit because I'm like, this is not how Gary Woodland should be. So again, though, this is a 7K range. It's going to be different. Um, there's a couple other guys that are in here that I like, but what else do you like in this range? You know, just to close out on, well, he's definitely the guy that if he did do, if, if you're going to take that risk and he, and it works out for you, he, he would be like a tournament winner for you. Like, and I'm not saying that exactly. the, the actual tournament, but I'm saying like in your, in your DFS tournament, like that would exactly. be a guy that would be the difference maker. Cause like you said, he's going to be down on, so his ownerships, I could, I can't imagine his ownership being more than like 13, 15%. Like I, I I don't see how, how it would be higher than that unless people like you would just see the name and go crazy for how low it is. But I think I think also the stuff that is that worries us about him is also the stuff that's really obvious to see. You know, when you just go back and look at the cuts. So I think if one person just opens up that game log on DK, for instance, and looks at that, like they, they may actually stay away from him. So, yeah, I think you can probably get him at a nice ownership discount. And look, if you're if he's I, I agree, I think he's willing to he's he would be willing to take a big risk on because if, if we're kind of like creating a hypothetical lineup here as we go, cause we keep saying Patrick, uh, can't let we keep saying, <laughs> yeah, we keep saying Vegas. Like, so we're like, we're, we're like three guys in now. Um, so if you're added Woodland to that lineup and I don't even know if it's possible with the math or whatnot, but if you're adding Woodland to that lineup and, and you're guaranteeing that those other three guys are going to make the cut and that, then I, I think it would be willing to take the risk that Woodland either, either shits the bed and misses the cut or he's going to make the cut and, easily pay back value. So, but even if you were to miss the cut, you can probably still round out your team there to where you might be all right. It might be able to, to sneak in uh, to some cash or, um, or just, you know, just enjoy the weekend with it. So no, you make some good points on Woodland. It's, he's a guy that I was kind of ignoring, but just with the way that this is all shaping out now with lineup construction, he might be someone that would be uh, worth getting to for sure. Um, someone else though, that's down there that I think, could be interesting and people will be off of the man is he's not playing well <laughs> he hasn't been playing well at this tournament before but harold varner so here i i don't think i'm gonna play Harold. Varner. i'm gonna start i'm gonna start with that you. so bad I want I, to. but but what makes me want to play hv3 is the man is just a cut machine like he, he, is. he always he's the guy who comes out you know, eight under round one leading the tournament, and then he'll go out and, and shoot a plus three the next day and barely make the cut or something. But 
but he's typically always going to get you to the weekend. He's, he's just not, he's not really played this year. He's played one tournament, missed the cut. He's missed the cut three out of the last five years at this tournament. And then in typical Varner form, the one time he didn't miss the cut, he finished 18th. So <laughs> he, uh, I want to play him because of how safe I know he is. I just don't think there's enough evidence there for me to play him. He he does well on the short courses, which that's what I'm kind of taking into consideration. When yep. it's just a guy who, like you said, continues to make birdies that makes the cut somehow. And when it's you see the name, approach, as I was saying, when you see HV three, you think, oh no, I'm not playing him. But then again, he has upside, and all of a sudden he comes out and he hits value. So the name value is there. But if you want to go for a value that's if you want to pivot away from him, I wouldn't mind going to Lucas Glover. Um, he kind of does stand out to me also at 7-8. So, like I said, <coughs> if you want to take a value in him, I wouldn't mind it. But are you playing any of the Grillo, Adam Long, Brendan Todd, Chaz Revy kind of lines or no? Um, so, real fast, I'm mad at Lucas Glover. So, oh, <laughs> I'm like, he, he, was one, he was one of my big uh, – my like big sleepers last week and last week yeah and it didn't go well so uh, I'm mad yeah. at him right now but um but no so the only guy really other than um that you mentioned there that that stood out to me a little bit was was Ches Reeve. um so he he ranked out like I said when it came to the numbers he ranked out uh, pretty good he ranked out 20th in my in my rankings um I think that was mainly attributed to so far, he's playing. He's in the three out of the five tournaments he's played so far, um, or at least out of the last five. He's made the cut, but he's also got not a ton of upside because he hasn't finished better than twenty six, and he tends to finish in that thirty forty range. So he's barely making the cuts, or he's having a good first couple of days and then having absolute horrible, you know, two days on the weekend. Um, so, and he's missed the cut here the past two years. Look, I think Reavy has what it would take to do good here. You know top 10 strokes gained approach. He's actually first in fairways gain, top 20 in ball striking. So, like, he's got the tools for what you would need to attack a short course. Um, so, look, I'm, I'm probably going to have some small shares of Revy, um, just considering his price. Um, and, like, on Yahoo, he's only $21. So, he's almost the minimum price on Yahoo. So, he's, I think he's more of a value on Yahoo than he is on, on DK. Because, um, I yeah. I like Revy, but I'd rather play Woodland. I'd rather take the risk on Woodland on DK. But on, like I said, on Yahoo though, I'll have a little more Revy just because he's only twenty one dollars. So I'm kind of jumping all the way down in this range, and want to talk about a guy who continues to make birdies and can easily do it on this course. Uh, if you know how I'm talking about, go ahead and say it. But if you don't, Troy Merritt, I love him. I mean, the, the birdie making machine. When he's hot, he's hot, and at seventy three hundred. I trust him more than I trust Jason yeah. Day's back. So, to say, I mean, I I like him here. I don't like yep. anybody else kind of in this lower range. I'm not playing Phil Mickelson at 74. Showman, he's been up and down. We know what we're getting out of him. Um, how much of the pay down for, like I said, Troy Merritt and then filling the rest of my lineups with guys in the 6K range that I trust more than I do in the 7K range. So, I, again, I like Troy Merritt here. I think he's the upside to make the birdies on this course. I Again, I don't trust anybody else in this 7K range. If I'm scrolling down right now, I mean, maybe Lento Griffin at 7,500, maybe. But it's just hard because I, if I'm building, like I said, our lineup, if we're building that lineup of Vegas, Patrick Henley, and John Rom, 
You want to get, you're going to want to fit in a guy in the lower 6K range, 7K range, which is why I'm kind of mostly looking at the 6Ks, looking at the yep. lower range of the 7Ks. So there's a couple guys in this lower 7K range that I do like, but I want to get your thoughts on this rest of the 7K range. Yeah, so <laughs> I definitely have some guys in that 6K range that I think are worth their shot to be able to fit in those topper guys. But I agree that I'm, I'm glad you, it was Troy Merritt you were talking about because <laughs> – because he is he is someone that I was definitely looking at. So he ranks twelfth in my model right now, um, and for his price, like I think he could easily pay off value. Um, so his, his number his rankings aren't exactly flashy as far as like they're going to drop off the stage, like not top ten. They're never going to be, yeah. But, but exactly, they're never going to be because he's just he's just a, a model of consistency. The main number you got to look at that. So he's got two top twenty five finishes so far this year. He's gained almost twelve strokes in those tournaments. Which, which is good. I mean, sure, he missed the cut here left. He doesn't have a great history here. That's the only thing, uh, which is surprising considering his game. Uh, but I think he's a guy who has been where I can almost look at his past finishes here as not the Bible, but more of a, a testament to <laughs> the guy who's been progressing over the last few years and really finding his game. And um, and this Troy, hey, maybe Troy Merritt is this year's Max Homa for us, where he's he's going to put it See. together to really compete on some more courses, but. I do agree. I do think Merritt's got what got the type of game that that should have success here, and he's so far off to a pretty good year. He seems to be picking his tournaments to to places that he feels like he can do well with, and and the fact that he picked here I, for that price, yeah, give me give me Troy, some Troy Merritt. Um, someone else I do like down here though. Um, where would he go? So I, I do like Doug Gim too this week. Oh lordy, <laughs> so hard. <laughs> So yeah, I know, but so what's so in in similar courses, he's eighth in approach, ninth in ball striking, and eleventh in fairways. Like those are like my three main stats for this week. So and he's gained four strokes so far in two tournaments this year. He you know finished fortieth at RSM, twenty seventh at Mayakoba, but he has a fifth place finish here last year. So he's a guy that, like you said, if if you got to pay down somewhere in in this range, you know, he's not exactly a full pay down because he's seventy five hundred. So he actually, for playing those other higher price guys, he might actually not work out of my lineups. But I'm going to be building multiple lineups, so I'm going to have more of a, a a middle range lineup, anyways. But Doug Gim is someone that that I really don't mind, um, and I know you had a very big reaction there. So what <laughs> what are your feelings on Gim? I ru- it's hard because if you look at this price tag. At what is he at right now? Sixty or seventy five hundred? So five hundred, yeah. That's what I was looking up. Um, that's the thing is, I'm much rather just pay down that on a wilder card than Doug Gim. He has flashed the upside. I get it. It's just I, something about me says no, do not play him at this course. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if it's a national extinction. It happens sometimes, but I, I mean, I. I'm oh, I'm already crazy enough playing Gary Woodland, so why not take a shot on Doug Gim? But <laughs> or or happens. why take another shot on on someone that you're to be? It, it happens. <laughs> That's why we play PGA. That's why we play DFS. It happens. So yeah. we wouldn't be here today if it weren't like that. But that's the thing is I don't mind it, but I'm much rather just go down to Troy Merritt at two hundred dollars less. That's my thing. But yeah, I would between those two, you have I, good would, points. I would agree. Um. But if we're going down into the lower 7K range, Buckley, 72, I don't mind taking a shot on either. Um, He's cheap enough. Again, I don't mind that. I don't mind paying 
for Smalley at 72 also. Um, I played Smalley last week. <laughs> I would say, yeah, two unknown guys that obviously can't make the cut here. But, again, I, I love this lower 6K range. Um, what do you think of the kind of lower 7K range before we move on? Yeah, no, I, so I like Buckley. Um, I think he's got the – once again, he's another guy that I think has just enough of the right uh, – right type of game to have success here. Um, he, you know, he finished 12th last week, which is a, which was a great finish for him. Um, and he's never played this, this tournament before. So this is going to be his first time out. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, look down at this range, like you said, we're trying to just fit in the guys we're talking about down here. Now we're just for the purpose of trying to fit in our Cantley's our ROM and, and our, our top end guys. So if I'm going to take a shot on something, like I would much rather take the shot on, on Buckley down here for sure. Um, like I, I would someone who is priced, for instance, someone who's priced similar to him. Uh, like I'd rather play Buckley over Small. Yeah, I was on Tom Hoagie last week. I like him again this week, uh, but I think he might be a little bit more popular. So I'd rather play Buckley there if I'm if I'm already got a lineup where I have high ownership. Um, I would play Buckley over Hoagie, even though I do like Hoagie this week. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with Buckley there. I like that call. He's got seven top tens. Right. <laughs> so we have like what twelve minutes left, thirteen minutes left. Yeah, so let's hit on the 6K range. But yeah, let's uh, first guy on the top that's going to be low on in a birdie making machine again, kind of the, the Walmart version of Troy Merritt is Sam Ryder. I, I love him at 6'4. Uh, he can continue to make the birdies that you need to have. Uh, Davis Riley, he's been up and down. I don't mind taking a shot on him. He has flashed yes. up with the irons. I love his play. I love uh, Davis Riley this week for his uh, price. Nick Taylor, uh, <laughs> again, can be one of the best on this course based on the style of play. I like that a ton. So those are just a, kind of a couple guys that I don't mind taking a shot. I know it went fast, but like I said, we have about 12 minutes, so I'm trying to fit in the guys that I love. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. So like I said, the sense K range is always going to be wild. You're always going to not. It's either going to be a shot in the dark or it's going to be a guy that stands out to you for a good reason. So – it's hard to trust a lot of these guys in the 6K range, but when you're playing two guys and playing Patrick Kentley and John Roman, I know I keep going back to it, but they're going to take up a lot yeah. of your salary, obviously, because they're the top two guys. So it happens, but it's hard not to like some of these guys, some of these guys in the 6K range. Um, do you have any that stand out to you? I know you liked a couple that already been named off, so talk to me about it. Yeah, no, Riley is the main guy. So I, I liked multiple ones that you said. I have them on my list as well, but Riley is the main guy I'm going to, and it's in a couple lineups that I've already built, I've started out with Rom and Cantley, and then Riley's the next guy I go to because he's just he's he's low price. He helps me find that middle range where I can start looking to fill up the other guys. Um, so I agree. I, I love Riley this week. Um, there was who was the other one you said that I also like? Um, I like Nick Taylor also. Oh yeah, Nick Taylor. Uh, Nick Taylor. Like I'm. I'd rather. I don't know. I. I don't love Nick Taylor. I've liked him in the past. Um, I don't necessarily love him this week for this tournament. I don't think he's played well, enough tournaments well enough yet this year. And like, look, he's a guy who typically makes the cut here, so he would be a safer play. And if we're looking at this range, we need safe. So I, I can see that argument of it. Um, but I would rather I would rather go heavy on Riley than than play Taylor for just a hundred dollars more. Um, it, just in my opinion, I just, but maybe that's just me being so in love with Riley this week. <laughs> that's, that might be the case there. Who else uh, are you but, down yeah, but, uh, yeah, down here in this range though. So another guy like those. So, um, I think he's down this range. Sorry, I just lost some. Uh, I think Hickok's down here, right? 
Or was he in the 7K range? He might have been in the low 7s. Yeah, he was low 7s, sorry. Uh, so, but I mean, I, I like him at, at that price too, but... Um, oops. Y'all, see, I like the low 7 because I like Andrew Landry. I like Hickok. Um, these are these are guys that, like I said, they're low 7,000 7, range, but the guys I like. Um, Riley was definitely the main one. Uh, other guys, so... Do I die with Ryan Moore again oh. <laughs> at 6,500? He's a guy that I always Rock. find myself go. I always find myself going to Ryan Moore for some reason, um, and he always he always bites me. He always, always gets me. And, and he's not playing. The thing is, he's not playing well right now. Um, yes, he has a top, he has a sixth place finish in 2020, but I think he's going to be a guy that I stay away from because of that. Um, he's just bit me too many times, so I'll I'll probably stay away from from Ryan Moore, um, even though he still always ranks out well in my, in my lineups. Um, but then other than that, so, uh, did those names, uh, so Chad Ramey. So I, I like Chad Ramey last week. I, say I like him too. Yeah. And, and, I don't, <laughs> and I don't hate him again this week. It, he's another one that when it comes to that price and hit the potential upside with them, it's, you could easily work out for you, um, to, to pay off your value. And, uh, so I, I do like Ramey this week. I think he's another guy who's going to be low owned. He's kind of still an unknown name. Um, so yeah, I'd be I, if I if I'm going to play high guys, I'm going to go to probably Riley and Ramey down here. What are your thoughts on Ramey? I, I love him here. I think that he has the upside similar to Taylor that could fit this course style extremely well. But there's one more guy that I want to talk about before we get out of here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Haggy, only 6,200. How? I don't get it. I like the upside. I, I think it's way too cheap. If you, I mean, he fits into your lineup. So if I'm building a lineup with him, let me build this really quick. Vegas. Yeah, go for it. So we get in Johnny Vegas, 8-1. Yep. Pay for Rom at 11-3. Get Canley at 10-9. So we have literally Canley, Haggy, Rom, Vegas, and you still have 6,700 left over. I mean, that gives you enough salary to fit in the guys that you want to fit in. So Yep. Again, the, the possibility is there. So I, I like it at the price tag. I, I love it, honestly. What about you? Yeah, look, so he's got he's got the, the good history. Well, not I mean, not great history, but he's got a solid history here to where he can um, he can definitely return that value. His game For me, his game doesn't fully line up with what I'm looking at at this course. He also hasn't made a cut yet this year. Um, so he's... I get what you're saying about him from what we know about Hagee, from what we how we've seen him play in the past. Like we have to take that into account as well. Um, he would be the epitome of like a just a like a massive risk punt play for me to get in the higher guys. And look, if you're looking for for a punt play that has upside, I think you're right. I think Hagee could be that guy. So at 6200, I, I totally get um, playing him. He's probably going to be super low owned too. So <laughs> you probably have him at like like 0.7 percent ownership. So yeah, so look, I can get I can get on the, the Hagee train there with you. That's uh, I have no problem with that. Um, I haven't found myself having to in my builds having to get all the way down to the sixty two hundred range, um, but but I may I'm going to try out some stuff since we've talked about some stuff, and I may have to get down there myself. So if I do, I'll probably get to get to Hagee. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. You're going to eat the ride or die for these guys in the, in the yeah. sixty two range. It happens. Uh, they're either going to boom completely and make the cut. They, you need to make you need to have them make the cut because it's almost it's really difficult in nowadays, which I've seen, to make six out of six for a golf oh, lineup. Yeah. It's difficult, but the possibility is there. So if you even get a five out of six, 
with the six K range guy not making the cut, you'll be in good shape. Yeah, um, yeah you should catch so, that. Is it like I said? It's extremely difficult. The best of the best, obviously, can somehow make six out of six, but that's when you're playing 150 lineups and you don't know what you're doing or you don't know what you're playing at that rate because you're just playing massive amount mass max uh, max entering. So it happens, but that's the thing is if I'm hand building a lineup and I want to fit in the top tier guys, I want to fit in the bomber and I want to fit in a guy in the lower 7k and 6k range. Those are kind of the guys we're looking at. I think it's a possibility for them to thrive. I think they have the upside, but this is the Amex express. It is going to be wild. It's going to be a crazy course that we're that some guys that we talked about are not going to boom. And it happens because this course is different. This course is difficult in some aspects. And, this course can basically eat you alive at some point. So, but what else do you think before we wrap up the show, man? Yeah, so I think there's not really any other guys that jump out to me that I feel the need to uh, get. So I think the only other, actually I say that I think the only other person that I might be willing to take a risk on down in this range, um, which also scares the hell out of me, <laughs> is is uh, Jason Duffner. He's another guy that's super risky. Look, his his stats his stats say it all. Sixteenth in approach, sixth in ball striking, hundred and twelfth in putting. <laughs> so, so like, exactly. what's all that approach get you if he's not going to make the putts? Um, and that's that's the killer for me is that like the, the man just can't putt. Um, now he does tend to putt better on Bermuda grass um, and on the correlating courses here. So on on the I think it was three or four different courses I chose as correlating courses. You know, on those courses, he's actually ranked 16th in putting. So if there was a tournament and a course style that might be, he might be able to negate his bad putting on, I think it would be this one. And like we said, if we're if we're playing guys down here as a high risk guys, then um, I'd be willing to take a risk on Duffner to, to squeeze in um, along with the the Hagies that we talked about. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying is. It's just all about how lineup construction is going to allow you to fit in the lower 6K guys, 7K guys, and in order to pay up in the 10Ks because, the, like I said, if we're breaking it down one more time, the 10Ks are kind of cut and dry. You obviously play the two top price players. And then 9K is a little bit wild. And then 8K is kind of all over the place also. But then that's when we get down to the 7 and 6K range where we have guys that we really love and want to play. So it – it's going to be an interesting course, to say the least. I'm excited about it. What about you? Yeah, look, I'm just happy golf is back. <laughs> like now that now that my, my my glorious Patriots are out of the playoffs, like I got to hang my hat on something, and, and golf's it now. Like we're we're here yeah. for it. <laughs> it's uh, so yeah, no, it's so yeah. I, I, I'm here for this tournament. Um, it's probably gonna be the first one that I really t- try to tune into all four days. So I think it's gonna be a fun one. Um, where you know, back on the West Coast, it should be should be pretty good weather from what I from what I. Uh, I've looked at, so uh, that shouldn't be a factor. So, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, we only got a couple minutes here yet, so, left, so I want to be able to uh, give you a chance to kind of update us on what you're doing, where people can find you, um, really anything else that you want to want to plug out there and, and and say about yourself. Yeah, man. So I, like I said, me and you go way back. Obviously, um, I'm always on Twitter, despite me, you know, having to work still. I know I'm a, I'm a cop in the day and then play sports DFS on the side. So that's kind of what I do is I basically work on the streets and then still try to listen to the radio about sports. So I don't get to listen to my Cowboys anymore. Obviously, we're not going to talk about that because I'm still pretty upset. My fiance has that. 
Like, <laughs> had to tell me to stop yelling at the TV, stop telling them to not keep me draw, so and not spike. So when my wife has to tell me that, it's a little bit bad. But we're not talking about that. That's it happens. So next year's our year, though. Like I always say, next year's our year. So, but yeah, man, um, that's pretty much who I am. I break down Yahoo NBA fantasy on Fantasy Six Pack over there. I do article a day or article a week over there, making up my Yahoo NBA plays. I mostly play NBA, UFC, and PGA. So those are kind of my favorites. I do play NFL, obviously, but who doesn't play NFL? It's kind of hard not to. But, yeah, you can find me at DP Prodigy. So I'm on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and I have my own website. So it's a lot, but it's not hard to find me because I'm always tweeting something, something either funny or something either uh, about sports. So it's give or take. But what about you, man? Let's talk about you. This is your show. This is your this, this, this is your this live is, line. So this is what I got going right here. This is episode one. I've been right trying to put this together for for a few weeks now. And I remember, yeah, we're just do, we're just doing it now. So uh, yeah, no, this is what I got going. You know, you know, Belly Up Sports has been great. So this is this has been a, a great opportunity to jump in with Belly Up Sports to uh, to get this show going. I know you just kind of jumped in with us as well. So. Welcome, congratulations! Right. Are you going to be Are you going to be doing anything specific writing wise for with with Belly Up or? Um, so what, I'll keep that what's kind the of plan? Support. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So mainly gonna okay. So so Cody's going to be a, a pretty regular guest with me on the show. Uh, weekly, sure. whatever whatever you can make it in. Um, we will get some guests that are going to be coming on as well. So we'll, I'll keep you guys posted on that, but. Other than that, uh, shout out to Belly Up Sports uh, Podcast Network. Check them out uh, at Belly Up Sports, at Belly Up Fantasy Sports, at Belly Up Podcast. You can find them all over the place on Twitter if you just search Belly Up. Uh, shout out to Tiki Live as well. This is uh, We're going live on Tiki Live right now, so check out uh, the link on the Belly Up Sports pages. Uh, you can uh, find us there. We have 24-7 live content on Tiki Live. Um, so we'll have reruns of, of previous shows and then when anyone's live they'll be uh live on tiki live so definitely check it out we got a ton of great shows that you can you can check out and enjoy um, other than that though good luck this weekend enjoy and have a great day right. everyone